Uh, last few times I've spoken, as um, uh, Pastor Dave has been kind to ask me to fill in, I've tried to share a little bit about myself with you. Today I'd like to share just a few things about you um, that uh, some, some you might see, some you not, but uh, I'm slow, uh, I'm short, and often I'm stubborn. Well, let me explain, maybe. Uh, I'm slow because uh, things come to me slowly. I had a sermon all planned out, and I, I, I've got certain rules about preaching, by the way, and, and, and uh, uh, Dave and I were talking Wednesday, and we were talking about preaching a little bit, and I shared with him some of, the, some of the rules, and one of the rules is that everybody should be themselves. Uh, that's very important. When you get up to speak, you don't try to be somebody else, but you just come across uh, as you are, which I try to do. Uh, but this time, I thought I would uh, try to do it David's way. And so I, would, I, I worked very hard to come up with an outline and work the scripture into it and have a couple quotes and things to put into the little uh, outline to put up here and for you to follow in the service on your, on your devices. And it's all on there, but uh, that's the good news. The bad news is it didn't fit uh, me. <laughs> so I'm slow because things come to me at the last minute sometimes. I'm a deadline person. And so, um, and, and so at the 11th hour, actually 11.30 hour, uh, <laughs> I, I came up with something different. So it's all on there if you still, if you have your devices or, and everything and, and look at it, it's all on there. It's just not in that order or, or look exactly the same, but you can find it. So I'm a little bit slow. I'm also short. I'm always frustrated by high shelves. I've always been that way. I hate to get up on my tiptoes to try to reach something. I often try to climb on things and that's usually disastrous. And, uh, and it's, it's very uh, frustrating to me sometimes. So one of the principles I have is that take whatever it is you're going to speak and put it on the lowest shelf you can so everybody can reach it. Well, that was something else. I just really was frustrated with it and, and trying to get it right. I just didn't figure, figure I'd put it on the low shelf, so I just start all over again. And, uh, and maybe it'll be a little bit uh, easier to follow. And I'm stubborn, uh, meaning that I usually do it my way. So even though I tell everybody the rules, they don't always count for me. Uh, I've broken several today. Um, I, think, I think about the story of the, uh, the, of the young boy, I don't know, maybe five or six, uh, uh, who was an only child, didn't have people to play with all the time, and so he often devised games to play themselves. So he had his ball bat and his ball out, and there was nobody to pitch to him, so he was just throwing up in the air and taking a swing out and hitting it. So in his imagination, he began to play games. He said, it's the bottom of the ninth inning, two outs, uh, uh, bases loaded, and the greatest hitter in the world is coming to bat. So he throws the ball up, takes a swing, and he misses, strike one. Throws the ball up, takes a swing, misses, strike two. Throws the ball up, swings, misses, strike three. He paused for a moment, that wasn't supposed to happen, and then he says, the greatest pitcher in the world just struck out the greatest hitter in the world. <laughs> so I, 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 uh, I missed three times, I struck out but the good news is the greatest pitcher in the world is still here and he is going to bring something for all of us to hear uh, that will make sense and will speak to our lives, okay? So um, you don't have to run out now and, and go get a cup of coffee because it's not the way it was meant to be. When I was about the fourth grade, my father started taking me fishing. He had a friend who got him hooked on fishing and I started fishing with him and I, I love fishing. My brother and I, we, we would go to a farm pond that was stocked with bass and bluegill. My brother and I loved to fish. And, and my dad would get a couple of uh, dozen uh, night crawlers or worms. And we would sit there and, and get our little fishing rods and put worms on the hook. 
and, and cast it out there. And just about every time we would cast it out there, a bluegill, a sunfish, would bite on it, uh, take our bobbins under. We would jerk, pull it in, and just have great fun. We'd, we'd catch sometimes 50 or more uh, bluegill in an outing, and it was just really great fun. Almost every time we'd throw the rod in, and we loved it. But I noticed that my dad didn't do that. He gave us the night crawlers, and he walked around the pond uh, casting some kind of a lure that wasn't alive. And he would do that and do that and do that. And then finally, a bass would strike his lure, and he would catch a bass. And I looked at that, and I, I had these little bluegills. They're nice. Some of them maybe a pound or a pound and a quarter and nice and big, big enough in my hand. But he would catch a bass two or three pounds. I mean, it was really nice fish. And I'm looking at it going, I wish I could catch a fish like that. And I found out that the secret is that uh, fish uh, uh, have a need to stay alive, and that need to stay alive is, is, uh, uh, is met, satisfied, by eating certain foods. And bigger fish eat bigger food. That's how they stay alive. They need more nourishment. So they don't bite on small things. They bite on bigger things. One time I got to go to, to uh, Canada and fish for northern pike. And for northern pike, you can't even fish with bath food. You have to have pike food, which is even bigger uh, lures and, and, and bait than what you would for a bass. But, but they have this need, and, and, and they see the bait, the, uh, whatever you present to them, the food, as a way of satisfying that need. Uh, and so you have someone fishing. You have fish out there, and one fishing wants the fish. So they take their apparatus, put the bait on it. The fish are enticed or attracted to the bait. They bite on it and the person catches them and, and brings them in. Okay, now for the fish this is difficult. Not as difficult as it was for me, but for them it was very difficult. Number one is, for the fish, ultimately it could lead to their death. I enjoy fish, I like to eat them. So from time to time, I would eat the fish I caught. So for the fish at that point, it was the ultimate sacrifice to me uh, to satisfy my hunger. But sometimes it's just difficulty. That is, they're just buying their own business. They chase something that's like food. They get caught. Somebody drags them up on the shore, throws them back in. They get hungry again. They bite on somebody's lure. They haul them in and throw them back in. So the fish lives kind of a rugged life, only doing what comes natural to it. What does that have to do with anything? Well, I, I read this article. This is what changed everything. I was just uh, uh, Googled uh, human desires. And uh, the first thing that came up, that doesn't always work, but this time the first came up, is an article by a young lady who's an entrepreneur. She started her own business, and she wrote this article to help other people kind of like struggling to start their own businesses. And the title is, Why We Buy, colon, 20 Human Desires Every Marketer Must Know, okay? And, and, uh, and so what she starts out, it says, you want to sell more. And so she has newsflash number one, people care about themselves, not companies. They have needs, they're bursting with needs, and uh, they will do what satisfies those needs. That's, that's number one, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm cold, uh, I need money, I want a partner, whatever it might be, the need that is perceived by the person, even sometimes unperceived needs, they will move in the direction of satisfying that need. Our, our news flash number two, people are emotional creatures. They purchase based on emotion, and then, all capitals then, Justify with logic. Now, I know we don't do that, but, but, but there's an emotional attachment to whatever it is that is the lure that attracts us. And that emotional attachment is what attracts us so strongly, okay? And so she borrowed, I think, from someone else what she calls eight primal desires in everyone. 
Listen to the list. Number one, survival, like the fish. Live a long and healthy life. Number two, protection, safety, care, and protection for yourselves and loved ones. Number three, freedom, freedom from danger, fear, and pain. Four, comfort, uh, comfortable living conditions. That can include a whole lot of things. Uh, five, pleasure, enjoy food, beverages, experiences, and lots of other things. Six, relationships, sexual relations, companionship, and compatibility. Uh, seven, success, to be superior, winning, keeping up with the Joneses. Think we've all been there at some point. Eight, likability, social approval, being part of the in crowd. Okay, so we can, we can identify with these things. Survival, protection, freedom, comfort, pleasure, relationships, success, and likability. These are the needs that we have. And we attach ourselves to things that seem like they're going to satisfy those needs. And those are the things that attract us uh, the most in life. And so she says, like going fishing, she says, now that you know what drives people to buy, your task is to think about your customers. Identify what your customer desires, how your product satisfies that desire, and communicate that value to your customer. Okay? That's how life works with us. Okay? That's how life works with us. Life is the salesperson, and we are the customer. And life is always looking at what we sense we need or even don't know we need but still need. And it's always throwing at us the lures to get us, to attract us, to bite, and to hook us. Okay? Over and over again. We've kind of all, all been there at some point. So, so as we look at that, what are some, what's some of the bait that sometimes is thrown at us? It could be food, it could be uh, things we drink, it could be clothes, exercise to improve appearance, uh, it could be medications, drugs, it, it could be all kinds of things that we constantly are attracted to, that we become emotionally attached to, and we bite on over and over again. And those needs within us develop the desires that, that, that have us chase the bait. But the problem is that it doesn't usually just end with getting uh, whatever it is uh, that, that, we're, well, that we're desiring. Uh, there is this uh, 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 principle also in sales that says that there is a kind of, uh, with consumers, once they, uh, once they get something, there is kind of a letdown. Um, uh, it's, called, uh, it's sort of like consumer's remorse. Uh, you're all, uh, the, the dopamines all kick in and you're all excited about it, but then after you pay for it, put it in the bag and start to walk home, you're going, oh my, why did I do this? <laughs> and start feeling bad again. So now you have a need to feel good again, right? So now you got to go out and find something else to meet the need to be, feel good again. You get that, you feel bad again. You have the need to feel good again. It's like this endless cycle that we go through over and over again. It's called the cycle of addiction. And you know what? Every one of us is an addict of one kind or another. We're all attached to something that's supposed to make our lives better. And we're chasing after it and chasing after it. And it entices us over and over again. We bite on the hook and we get, we get uh, uh, drug up on shore uh, by whatever it is. And, and, uh, and it leads to a kind of death, uh, a kind of death in which we become separated from ourselves, from God, from each other. Uh, and it, and it's, it's a sad, it's sad place to be. So James, when he's talking about this, uh, as we look in, in, uh, in James chapter 1, 
You wondered why I was going to get to the text, didn't you? I get there. Okay, uh, in James chapter 1, beginning verse 13, he says, When tempted, now he's not saying uh, if you're tempted, he says when you're tempted, we're all in this boat together. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But, always listen to the things that connect the ideas, but each of you is tempted when you are dragged away by your own evil desires. It's what's within us that causes the problem and are enticed. It's what's within us that reaches out and grabs hold of whatever it is and are pulled in. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death, to that sense of separation from God, the darkness, the loneliness, um, the, the kind of despair that sometimes sets in when we feel like we're on our own. You know, we've gotten out there on the limb and we're on our own and somehow God's not out there with us and we wonder what's going to come from it. He says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all creation. This is for more than just you and I but all creations involved in what God is doing in our lives. And our concern should not just be for ourselves, but for who we are as a witness, like Cameron said, to the world around us. What is our witness and what does that mean as God tries to use us? Well, I, th I think there are several things in this text that are very significant to look at, but before we look at them, I'd like to think about David for a moment. Uh, the story of David, King David, that God chose to be king of Israel, anointed him, and he began leading them, and he, and he came to a point where David became a mighty king with God's power, and he, and he defeated all the enemies of Israel, all the enemies of Israel. They, they had been haunted by his enemies all the time since they come back under Joshua. Through the book of Judges, you just read, going through cycles of despair. But finally, David pushes them out of Israel, and they have peace uh, for the first time. And it said one spring, uh, when the our army normally goes out uh, to fight, now spring would be the dry season, the wet season they don't fight because of the mud and trying to get everything through it, but when it probably turns dry, they go out and meet each other on the battlefield, and this particular spring, David stayed home. Don't know why, doesn't say why. Maybe he was bored, he conquered all the enemies, maybe he thought he was above that, that uh, for some reason he was now king and he didn't have to do that, I don't know, but just the same, he stay, stayed home. And he went out on his roof, the palace would be the highest place in the community, he went out on his roof because it would be cool breezes, that would be the place to stay during the heat of the day. And so he went out there, and as he was out there, he saw a young woman bathing who was beautiful. Okay, so he looked at her. Then he asked about her, who she is, he was told. Then after he was told who she was, he said, go get her. So, so one of his servants brought her to the palace. And then after he brought her to the palace, he, he, had, he had sex with her, and, uh, and he sent her home. And then she, became, she sent word that she'd become pregnant. So David has a big problem because now he's broken the law in significant ways. And in the law of Moses, it was uh, 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 punishable by death to both him and Bathsheba. So now he has to fix this. So her husband Uriah was off at battle. And David uh, sent word to Joab, his general, to send Uriah back with the pretense that he would give news about what was happening in the war. And so Uriah comes back, and David tries to get him to go home to Bathsheba, feeling like if he goes to Bathsheba, that's going to cover everything. It'll look like it's his baby, and David's off the hook, right? Well, what David didn't count on, the Uriah was a man of integrity. And he said, my soldiers are out on the field. How can I go home to my, to my wife? 
And so he sleeps at David's door. David even tries to get him drunk, thinking that he'll not even have his senses about him. But he doesn't do that either. He stays at David's door. And finally, David has to uh, 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 do the ultimate. He sends word to Joab to, to, to take Uriah out on the front at the, at the worst place of the battle. And while he's out there, to withdraw the army so that Uriah will be killed. And then send word back to David that it's happened. And so that's what he did. Not only does he commit adultery, but he also uh, commits murder. Okay, so David has really spiraled a long way here, right? All the way through here, David has opportunity, doesn't he? He has opportunity. He could have stopped at any place along the way, and it wouldn't have gotten worse. But he doesn't. He keeps being enticed. He allows himself to see the bait, and he lets whatever that need is inside of him continue to play with that bait, become emotionally attached to it, bite the hook, and get drawn in. So James tells us that we need to, to, to take that in consideration, what's happening there. And the first thing that James tells us, I think, is that choices matter. The choices we make, even the simple ones for David, just continuing to look, which seems so simple, right? That became a part of the process, that the choices we make matter. Some choices go down a line that lead to life, to the promise of God, to the hope that God alone can give to us, and some choices lead down the road to death. And we need to know the difference between those choices. Now, I know for most of us, when we think about the road that leads to death, we say to, my, we say to ourselves, yes, uh, yes, Jim, but you know, I've got my fire insurance policy. Yes, but I have my life insurance policy. I, I came down the aisle, I professed Jesus, I became a child of God, and I don't have to worry about that anymore. Death uh, where is your sting, right? But there are different ways of dying here. Yes, it may be true that if you are truly a follower of Jesus, you've truly given your life to him, you've been baptized in his name, you're, you're living for him, yes, the ultimate death, you, you, you've done something about, yes. But every day you can die on the way there. It's a long journey, right? And it'd be miserable if day after day after day we die spiritually because the direction we're going is leading us away from God. Okay, And that's what James is talking about, the temptation to follow the way that leads away from God instead of to God. Uh, and, and so, and so we, need, we, need to, we need to realize that there are the two pathways and that the choices we make lead us down one pathway or the other. So what do we do about that? Okay. Secondly, uh, it says that, that God gives good gifts. Okay, Good gifts. He wants the best for us, not the worst. He isn't going to trip us up. Uh, now, he created us in such a way that we have choice. He created in such a way that we can be free to make those choices, okay? And we, and we understand that. But he doesn't want those choices for us. He wants us to choose wisely. So how do we do that? N number one, God has given us the gift of wisdom. Last week in the sermon, it talked about that. That God, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him pray. And God, who gives generously will give wisdom. And we all need wisdom. In the midst of daily life, struggling with our needs, struggling with our desires, struggling with the things the world throws at us to attract us and bait us and get us away from God, we need to know ourselves. We need to know what our needs are and to be honest about those, to understand the things uh, that become attracted to us. What is the bait that we bite on and why? What is the need behind that that moves us to do that? to do the things that lead us away from God. So, so God will give us wisdom. 
If we will pray, if we will be in his word, if we will seek his face, he will begin to help us understand ourselves, to take us even in the mystery of ourselves and things we, we, can't, we don't consciously know. He'll take us down that dungeon, he'll open all the doors, and he'll help us to understand who we are and what's going on. And that's important, to know our desires, to know what attracts us, to know how it happens. Like with David, that David had all his choices to see her, to know her name. Uh, he could have turned away. Uh, he didn't have to ask for her. When, he, when she came, he could have sent her back. He, he had many chances to know and to deal with that situation, but he didn't. We need to know, know what it is about ourselves uh, that, that the enemy can use to move us away from God. And number two gift is, is community. Now, now, James doesn't use that word, but all the way through the book of James, he talks about uh, the, the involvement of community with each other from the first chapter all the way to the fifth chapter. In fact, the fifth chapter, we've talked to people who are struggling. In life, he says, uh, uh, if you need healing, uh, confess your sins to one another, and, and God will heal you. And I think that means more than physical healing. I mean, there's a, there's a spiritual deep healing that comes. And community is important. Community of believers, God created us to be the body of Christ, not individual Christians. He called us to be the church, not individual Christians. It's, it's not good enough for us to try to be Christians on our own. It's not good enough for us to try to stand up uh, to the enemy on our own. We need each other. We need each other. We need people who will be honest with us. We need people we can trust, people who care about us and want the best for us. I don't think you should just tell anything to anybody, anytime, under any circumstance. That's very dangerous. But you can find trusted people who are seeking the Lord's faith like you, uh, who are in the Lord's word like you, who are praying like you. And join with them and learn to trust each other. Because uh, peop people in the community of uh, believers can be a mirror. All of us need a mirror. None of us are good judges of ourselves. We're very poor judges of ourselves. We like to think we are, but we're not very objective when it comes to ourselves. We think sometimes we have strengths we don't have, and boom, we get in trouble. Sometimes we think we're weaker than we are, and boom, we get in trouble. We need somebody who, who can see us, step back from us, and see us the way we can't see ourselves. And community becomes that mirror helps us see things we need to see about ourselves. Sometimes we aren't honest about the things that trip us up. Oh, I got it. I got it. And they have to say, well, hey, wait a minute. How come this happened if you got it, right? We need that help. Not because they're judging us, because they care for us, okay? They care for us, and they want the best for us. Community is very important. Community is also the encouragement we need. We get so down sometimes on ourselves. We get so down in the struggle. Sometimes we even come to worship, and it's hard to sing the praise the way we know we should. It's just a struggle. That's okay sometimes because that's the way life is. But hearing other people praise and worship and, and, and fellowship with us encourages us and, and helps us come into the Lord's presence and, and be healed. So he says wisdom and, and community and, and then I would add to that grace. Again, James doesn't mention this text, but all the way through the book of James, he talks about grace. Grace is God's gift to us. That's what the word grace means. It's the gift of God's presence to those who don't deserve it. In, in Ephesians, Paul says we're saved by grace through faith. We're saved not by faith, but by grace. That God is even willing to come to us as we are is a gift right? We don't have a chance unless God's willing to do that, right? It's all over with from the beginning. If he says, Poo, sorry, you know? And he could, couldn't he? Very easily, but he doesn't. Because in his grace, he embraces us exactly the way we are at any given moment in life. This very moment, no matter what it is, 
you're struggling with, no matter how down you might be, no matter how you might question your presence here in worship and what it means, God is here to embrace you in his grace and accept you like you are. That's what he does. Now, he doesn't leave you there, and that's what James is talking about. He wants you to grow and mature, but he will take you at any moment as grace. That's a wonderful thing. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to feel guilty. We don't have to run and hide. We don't have to let the darkness overwhelm us because God is always there present, wanting us to come into his presence. In Hebrews, it says, uh, we have this great high priest, and since we have this great high priest, Jesus Christ, who's gone into the heavenlies, we can come into his presence with boldness. He's been tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin. So he understands. And we can come forward in boldness to receive help in our time of need. Right? That's what, that's what grace is about. That we can come into God's presence anytime to have, the need we, uh, have, have help for the need that we have. And as we receive God's grace in our own brokenness, we then become gracious to others. That's part of the plan, our witness, part of our witness of, of of being the first fruits of God is that as God's grace has changed who we are, it changes us so we see other people in grace as well. No longer judging, uh, uh, discriminating, uh, categorizing people, but seeing them all as people for whom God has, uh, Jesus has died, that God loves and Jesus died for, and that God would embrace in any given moment and therefore we too embrace, right? We too embrace, no matter who they are, no matter how different they are, no matter anything. That God loves them, and we learn to love them in his grace as well. And that's how community works as well. And so, he, so he's given us, a, a, a God, God gives the good gifts of, of wisdom and light, of community, of grace uh, from him and within that community uh, to, to heal those places in our, in our heart that, that so need uh, his, his healing. And in his grace then, and in the community, we can confess our sin and receive healing uh, and begin to work on those needs and desires. And that brings James to the last thing, and that's, that's first fruits. He says that, that God has given us new birth that we might be first fruits. First fruits in the sense that we now have lives that have been born again. We're followers of Jesus, and now others will follow that way as well. But it's because of the, it is in very real sense because of the lives that we live, our ability to live in grace, our ability uh, to choose wisely um, and, and, and to, to have something uh, that God is doing in our lives that other people can see and want to be a part of, that we could be the first roots of what God is, is continuing to do. Uh, and everybody, um, by the way, throughout nature, uh, everyone and everything, for the most part, reproduces its own kind, right? Uh, apples uh, make apples, oranges make oranges, uh, dogs make dogs, cats make cats. The same is true of us, that as we begin to be the first fruits, we will reproduce our own kind. And that's important to understand. We need to be seeking the heart of the Lord in his word, in prayer, in worship together. We need to be uh, making choices based upon the truth of God so that we can grow and mature. And as we grow and mature, then those that follow after us will want to grow and mature too. Okay? And that's what God wants to see uh, from his people. So today, I just pray that every one of us who come with needs and desires and find ourselves continuously um, uh, being drawn away by those things uh, to take the bait that's offered to us, get hooked and in and, and some ways dragged away from God, uh, that we would begin to understand what's happening in the wisdom of God. Uh, we, would, we would then uh, uh, be able to, uh, knowing that, 
uh, be community for each other, to encourage and support each other and help each other deal with those things, and that we would be open to the grace of God and be grace to each other uh, in that way, and therefore help ourselves to, to progress and, and to grow and mature, making wiser decisions that honor God and are a witness to him uh, 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 in, in the world in which uh, we live. Let us pray.